presentation of the Toad Network Hope Fighting Analysis. This is the Uncommon Cast RX number 202, Six Degrees of Katsuragi Takumi. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono. And this is Common Rider Build episode 41, The Truth Behind Best Matches, and 42, Legacy of Doubt. Our writer for both is Muto Shogo, as always. Always. Always and forever. <laughs> Um, our director for 41 is Moroda Satoshi, and for 42, it is Shibasaki Taki. Okay, well, I'm just gonna get us going into some light and happy thoughts about these episodes, and, and kind of what's going on in them. Um, that was, of course, sarcasm, prepare for the misery. Because, uh, look, I, it's not a big thing. It's not even a big central part of the episodes, but... I have to say that for all I've been and remain, I do want to highlight that, annoyed at the inclusion of Papa Katsuragi in the story, I am kind of glad they bring him in like they did in these episodes, as opposed to like making him Saint Dad or a cartoon supervillain, which, I mean, like, yes he is, but evil's the cartoon supervillain. He's just a bad person. Uh, because it's, it's one of the the many, many things going on in this show that drives home how intensely political the series is interested in being. Because look, even if Papa Katsuragi has been dosed with nebula gas, dude is nonetheless a collaborator with the end of the friggin' world. And, I mean, wow, right? I wasn't sure what to expect, but Papa Katsuragi seeming to work alongside evil, not even for him, just by him, with him, even as there's decent odds that it's going to be a massive fake-out with some convoluted nonsense reasons going on, it still feels like it's having a thing to say about the frustrating phenomenon wherein the previous generations, who really, really ought to know better, start selling out everyone else and signing on with the fascists. Because look, I know I make a lot of connections to our current socio-political moment in the states, but it is a thing that afflicts the states and many other countries, including Japan, because frankly, fascism has a great pitch if you're scared and also reasonably sure that you'll be in the group that the fascists want to protect. Uh, please understand that's in air quotes, because uh, it's protection like the classic extortion method of the protection racket. Like, hey man, nice country you got here. Sure be a shame something happened to it. Which sort of ends up framing the nebula gas as fascism's antecedents. Fear, greed, nationalism, a, a need to dominate, and just generalized power lust. All sort of coming together to make people into their worst selves. And look, it just it makes me appreciate how much the show has been talking about Nebula Gas and its effects lately, and seeing Gentoku want to face consequences for his actions, because it makes it impossible for us as the audience to think of Shinobu as being a fundamentally decent person who is not culpable in some way for signing on with Evolt. You know, the atom bomb that walks like a man. Like, this dude is signing on, on some level, willingly, and that's really messed. And also, it's really good that they just will not let that slip past. Because 
that's the thing that hits hardest for me when Sento drops his line about how anything evil destroys Common Rider will rebuild. And it just makes me think back to, like, the recentish history of Japan. Like, after the U.S. drops experimental weapons of mass destruction on two, milita- on two non-military civilian centers, killing hundreds of thousands of people, uh, the post-war years were then defined by just a ton of rebuilding. Not only of the things that were literally destroyed, you know, the, the buildings, the bridges, the roads, the structures, etc., but also a lot of how society worked, partially because there was an American occupation that was very literally making that happen, but also because, I mean, the whole let's go conquer all the things and be violently nationalist thing hadn't exactly worked out well for them overall, had it? And, and then just in the aftermath, there's this massive surge of scientific and technological innovation that made Japan a world power again. And that's where the, the generation Katsuragi Shinobu is sort of representing pops in. Like, they, they're the people who popped out after the war. They, they grew up after it was over. And while everything was being rebuilt or had just finished being rebuilt, they know but didn't see what war does, and tended only to have an opportunity to experience a growing prosperity, particularly because of the economic miracle of the 1980s. And as that prosperity starts to dwindle, because, look, nothing can last forever, particularly when you don't invest in a, in a really stalwart civic infrastructure, the folks who were riding high in the 80s all start to wonder what happened and start to yearn for those good old days. And it's so easy then for nostalgia, for that easier time, for that better time, for that more prosperous time, to be co-opted by people who will happily promise you that, yes, look, we will force the good old days to come back, and we will make them stay forever and ever if you just give us your lives. Yeah, um, hi, I'm Aleph, I don't like fascists. Um, and this is all, like, I'm just, I swear I'm coming back to build. It's not the first time in Common Rider we've had evil dads. We've, honestly, we've had a lot of them in recent years. Probably too many, honestly. But it is the first time that they've given us an evil dad in a way that basically tells the kids at home in a manner that is both genre and age-appropriate, which is how they've been conveying a lot of their messages, and that's honestly really impressive. Uh, that, hey, you ought to keep a slightly skeptical view of your parents as, however unlikely it is, they might end up collaborating with the fascists. And, frustratingly, it so often becomes the duty of the new generation to save the previous generation from itself and its own bad, bad decisions, like, you know, being very, very happy that they voted in someone who I don't know would concentrate populations of people in let's call them camps because they aren't you know places those people want to live on purpose sorry huh. uh i i can't promise when uh light and fluffy things will return probably probably next episode of laser days yeah because yeah. build is a bleak show i love it but 
I, I can't imagine the the light and fluffy will return to uncommon until we move out of Bilbin into whatever follows it. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not complaining about the bleak, but it it does take a. It is one of those things where it's like after a while you're just like, oh, I I need to just work up to this. It's cool. But I don't I don't really have too much to add to that because I'm kind of in the same place. Uh, with all of it. It's interesting within the context of this specific narrative, and I guess to an extent, uh, Katsuragi Shinobu feels like Muto's way of keeping the story grounded in something similar to reality. Because hmm. he's got things he's trying to say, and if Evolt is, as he put it uh, in my favorite way possible, the atom bomb that like... walks like a man and is this walking embodiment of fascism and the anger and fear that comes with it, None of those things can actually do anything on their own. They're dangerous, inherently, but there needs to be a person to execute those ideas and push the button. Yeah, I like, I like that. I like that, yeah. And Mido, uh, pres- uh, who we've been calling President Inoue, uh, and Nanda, Thank you, because I had totally forgot that, that, that he actually had another name. Uh, I had to look it up. <laughs> He's, he's the only one I didn't remember. But uh, Mito and Nanba are gone, both at Evolt's own hand, which, come thinking about that, is in its way a nice version of no one, not even those who perpetrate it, being safe from what these kind of ideals can bring about. But, you know, it'll all just kind of die out if no one's there pushing it forward, which is where Shinobu comes in. Uh because those two are gone, and he needs another human to be executing these ideals for him. He has other people turning people into uh, lost smashes and all that. He's not doing much of the actual dirty work that affects the public on his own. And Shinobu kind of feels all the more insidious because he's not a government leader. He's not in charge of some great industry. He's not a prime minister. He's just a guy. He's a really smart guy, but he's just a guy with a family and a job. He's got a wife and a son, and he goes to work at this industrial plant and is an engineer, and then he comes home to his family, and he could be anyone. I, I had not made the, the everyman connection. Good. Like, high five across the ocean. That's good. I like that. And, you know, he's now moved out of the gut. Evil, this concept of fascism has moved out of the government and out of industry and is now just out in the population. And, you know, lest I then start repeating everything you said, because that seems to be the road I'm now pointing myself down, I'm just going to kind of toss toss in a same hat and uh, <laughs> let us move forward with the knowledge that Muto's got some really interesting politics and he's going to talk about them, and we're also going to talk about them. Yeah, because it's, it's fun. And something approaching healthy to do that. Well, okay, maybe even just something approaching fun, because again, it's, it's real depressing. But also nice to talk about it in a way where it's like, hey, by the end of it, we're going to get to see this atom bomb get, like, Ryder kicked into oblivion. Like, fascism's gonna get punched in the face, and there's some catharsis in knowing that's coming. Yeah, it really, like, look, 
all the bleakness and horror will, like, for the characters in the show, probably nothing will ever be worth what they've gone through, because, wow, this is a, this is a heavy one. <laughs> Man, remember when, when Sento, like, straight up went into a fugue state and murdered that dude? Yeah. Whew. But, yeah, I don't think anything's really going to be worth it for the characters, but, boy, as, as an audience, it's just, when we finally get, when we finally punch whoever is going to get punched in the face is just going to be like, good, good. You had that coming. You did all this. You deserve worse. On the other hand, again, Death by Rider is not a way I want to go. No, not particularly. Though again, like not even though, just like, especially after we saw, after that episode where he loses his stuff and turns into the ultimate darkness for a hot second. Because Man Aoba did not go out nice no. anyway let's 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 move on to things we didn't like in in these two episodes otherwise i'm just going to start getting getting all like weirdly fascinated at how good they they made me afraid of common rider okay so 41 i'm not sure how i feel about this whole evil has been performing quote unquote human emotion but has actually <laughs> been emotionless but now, because Sento did the thing, he's got real people emotions. Like, it kind of undercuts the malice he's shown up until now. And it hasn't actually changed him all that much. Like, he's not more evil. And he's not less evil. So, like, what is this adding? I understand that some things, such as getting the bottles purified and getting the tower up and this, that, and the other thing, getting power out of Ryuga. Like, all of that song and dance required this manipulation that he's been doing because human emotion drove all of those things. But he states in 41 that now he knows how easy it is to manipulate human emotions. And I'm like, dude, how is that news to you? You've been doing that for a decade now. True, yeah. Like, you've been doing it and having a lot of fun with it this whole time. And it, it doesn't make sense to me that an emotionless being could learn emotion so precisely and convincingly in less than ten years that he could pull all of this off to the point where he, like, him mimicking Isurugi is unrecognizable as not being Isurugi without ever messing up. I mean, I guess it explains why now he's throwing temper tantrums when he loses, because now he knows how to be frustrated, I guess? And him throwing a temper tantrum was fun to watch. True. But just overall, like, this conceit doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, no, it's... it doesn't fit. Like, you, for all those reasons you just said. Okay, this is maybe a weird way to put it, but I'm kind of hoping that this is one of those nuance of language things that... that is really hard to translate or doesn't come across properly. Like there's there's some there's some extra nuance to it's like it's not that he doesn't feel emotions, it's he doesn't feel human emotions and like he has only his alien ones, but what I don't know why those would be different, but yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird and I don't I wish they would have found a better way to describe what is happening. Like even just say, hey, he's he's unlocking the some echoes of the real Isarugi in you, even though his body is anyway, it doesn't matter. Either way, 
I will say I do appreciate the uh, Mayakawa Yasuyuki, uh, the the guy playing uh, Isurugi. I like that he's playing him just that little bit differently, a little bit wilder. That that makes him real fun to watch. Okay, so as as much as I love Gentoku and his newfound freedom of self expression, I'm not sure I dug the way the gag played in episode 41. They didn't do it to provide any new information, and it wasn't even that funny this time. Like, last time it provided us the new information of, here's Gentoku doing this complete turn and kind of reevaluating the person he wants to be, and getting to be the person he's never been allowed to be. Um... This time it didn't provide anything. It just interrupted the story over and over. Yeah, and it was it was weird. I'm gonna, I'm going to be saying that a lot, but there's I enjoyed these episodes, but there was a lot of weird stuff in them because it just I think for me a lot of it is just that the show doesn't have so little going on that they can just start making all these weird asides and weird attempts at at humor that. You know, if you were to tell me it was all improv, I would believe you without hesitation. Because it just, it doesn't work. Especially not in that bit where they're trying to have a clip show. Speaking of, like, Ryder doesn't need a clip show. Like, I guess this this particular story is kind of complicated, so maybe for the kids it's not a bad review. Especially to kind of build up to where they're going. It's just that so much of the early part of this episode is just slamming the whole show on the brakes. Mm. Like, they're even making jokes during the clip show. Like, they're even distracting from the clip show to make more jokes. Like, there's this whole, like, at least 30 seconds of what if from Cosme about, oh man, what if I was married to Mita and then my father-in-law would be an alien, isn't that weird? I'm like, why are we, what? Why are we doing this? I will say I at least appreciate that we we just we finally explicitly did the joke with his inner monologue. It's like, how could you hear my thoughts? You were screaming them. And it's like I enjoyed that. No wonder Misora's screaming at everyone though and getting yeah. really frustrated because it is ten minutes into the episode. Before we get to the point where we even begin discussing Shimizu. We're five-ish episodes from the end. There's not time for this. Yeah, there just isn't. And look, again, I can understand... Like, we can both understand why this is happening. Because, yeah, little kids, complicated show. Soon the ending is going to happen. It's nice to have that refresher. But at the same time, it didn't need to take that however long it was, ten minutes, half the half the frickin' show. Or or like be framed with everyone acting all quote wacky, end quote. Just cut it down to an extended previously on cold open and then have a then you have a little more time for the show, which like look, let's be real. It's it's doing a lot of really clunky, heavy handed exposition as it is. Like lots of as you know, Utsumi, like <laughs> Just just do the show, you guys. You barely have enough time as it is. Also, like, just to, just to kick this one out there, like, was it supposed to be a surprise that Katsuragi Shinobu was, like, there on Evolt's side and was that guy in, in the gas mask in the Faustish lab? Because, like, of course it is. Okay, you're gonna laugh, and it's okay, because my partner did too. It, 
I admit, it was obvious as hell, and yet I was somehow still surprised. I just somehow did not think that 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 the guy in the gas mask was gonna be Katsuragi Shinobu. I was I was not floored, but I was like, oh, of course, because yeah, it made all the sense on Earth, and they might as well have just given him a name tag saying Katsuragi Sa. I was so dumb, y'all. I I'm willing to admit when I'm dumb is what I'm saying. Go on. Just within the context of build, this story is kind of interesting. Like, if this show stood alone or was my first rider, or even my first post-decade rider, because uh, there's not quite so much of this prior, I'd probably actually be kind of invested in, like, oh no, is he really evil, or is he just playing a long con to take evil down? Like, I'd, I'd be kind of into that. And seeing him use build so that Sento can kind of metaphorically overcome what build was created for in order to, you know, really make it do good. Like, that's kind of neat thematically. So it's not like these Shinobu-centric plot points are in themselves all that bad. It's just been that, like, nearly every year since Double is this dad thing. Yeah. Like, Owen Gaim are kind of the only ones you can pick, maybe pick out as exceptions, but even then I don't count them as totally out of the woods because Gaim, they just kind of replace father with older brother. They just kind of erase it out of the script and write in older brother. And oh, Control H. Like, you've got, you've got Kogami essentially being a dad figure to several characters, and Eiji does have this whole thing with his dad that's not a major plot point, but does influence a lot of the way he is so it's not totally absent in those i'm just tired of this all-powerful dad being the source of everything and the will he won't he of being evil or not yeah no kidding it's just like stop stop it also how are you gonna do two episodes in a row that end with the same reveal (laughs) like come on i mean look that's a little weak yeah it is Uh, you ain't wrong I mean, look, I will say I appreciate the reintroduction of Build Classic as a villain. That was that was pretty cool. But yeah, don't you you can't pull off oh hey, it's me, your evil dad. Like you you can't make it happen twice. Like and the the second one was the better reveal, honestly. Yeah. Like you should have just yeah, not that... done it the first time. Yeah. Just have that have Mr. Gas Mask guy just like hmm. And then just have him pop in down there and just... Because, honestly, it's just that he's wearing a suit under it. Just so good. He's wearing a suit under his suit. In 42, I get that people would be, like, super relieved to have the war declared over and that everything was going to get... All of the the weapons were going to get pulled out and it was just done. Why would they just accept Mito as the leader of the country? Like, no one seems all that concerned as to where Tajimi is, and honestly, I'd probably want, like, an entirely new government. And I mean, like, that that is potentially very dangerous because you could have, you know, someone like Nanba step in and be like, I'm gonna be the president now. Because that is a thing that happens in real life. Yep. That's not me being sarcastic. That really happens, and it's bad. But it just feels very weird that the dude who, as far as any of the civilians are concerned, because they still think it's Mito and don't know that it's evil, um, as far as they know, like, he's the dude that escalated the war 
the most. And yeah. would you really accept that guy as the leader of the whole country? Yeah, it does rather strain credulity, because, like, look, it is a thing that is really common in superhero stories, where the bad guy comes to power, and everyone just suddenly, like, they just, a collective worldwide, oh no, I'm stupid, sort of thing, where everyone forgets, like, hey, this is a bad guy. He's He's been a bad guy. Where I'm just like, that that's not some stuff you just forget, or, I guess, one would hope it's not some stuff you just forget. But I guess maybe recent history would prove me wrong there. Uh, sorry, sorry. You can avoid going to a bad place by going to a good place. Which is, I'm mad that we are deprived of, of some kind of payoff for Gentoku's fashion icon slash fashion disaster phase. Because, like, look, I dig on his leather jacket, but uh, bring me back the bright pink light up everything please he was so much cooler like as much as i love gentoku's trash fashion because i do uh so much i do kind of like that we've settled him into this kind of you know tough uva but not green sort of look Mm. uh which fits because uva was also an absolute disaster that's so true and was also my favorite (laughs) but it's it's a huge departure from who he's been in the phases before joining Team Build, but it's also a look where we can finally take him seriously as part of, like, what's going on. Like, we're done mm. We're done with the gag that had honestly stopped working, and now yeah. we're getting back to business. That's, yeah, it's true. Just, I, at least give him a pink undershirt, guys. Come on. Yeah, no, I mean, like, look, I do miss... Pink jeans, clear raincoat, Gentoku being an absolute disaster and living his best life. But, you know, when we hit 41, the gag was no longer working, and I'm glad they're just kind of putting it to rest. Yeah, no. Good call. So, when Sento and Gentoku are preparing to fight evil, like, they do the henshin and they start running in, and then we cut to Ryuga and Kazumi fighting Utsumi and a bunch of mooks, and it was really jarring. Because uh, there was really no indication that we were cutting to cutting over to them or what was going on there. Like, there was no lead-in to that fight happening. Other than, you know, a scene or two before, Sento was like, Okay, me and Gentoku are gonna go fight over here. You guys go fight over there. But I'd kind of totally forgotten about it. Because we were really busy, you know, talking to Evil. And there was no real transition into the scene it just cuts in and the action is happening like really close in and really fast and for a few seconds it was hard to tell what was going on because i didn't realize immediately that we were that we weren't still with sento and gentoku and then by the time i had realized where we were and who we were with we cut back to sento and gentoku fighting evil without Ryuga or Kazumi or Utsumi saying anything at all. Yeah, it was it. It was weird. Like I'm gonna personally, I'm gonna blame it on that whole clunky recap bit. But yeah, like there was some good moments, but the flow was not there. The rhythm is off, and it was very sad. So then you've got the the press conference where Evil is pretending to be president in a way, and is like, "I'm the president of everything now," uh, which is was as we mentioned, was weird enough on its own. 
But then, you know, he steps down and Utsumi's like, hey, what is this? And it's very... Utsumi is very weirdly acted in that scene. Yeah. Because he doesn't seem to know quite what face to make. Like, he kind of seems to want to do his weird, like, manic smiling thing, but also doesn't. And he keeps doing really weird stuff with his mouth. And it was distracting, and it's making it really hard to keep up with what Utsumi's stakes and things are. Because I have no idea, really, like, what emotional reaction he had to this and, like, what he's committed to. Yeah, it's, it is a subpar thing. Because, look, I like Utsumi's actor. I think he's quite good. But they're keeping a lot of things, like, the writers are keeping secrets from the actor about... And I, look, I don't appreciate it, because I do want to know up front if I should be expecting a face turn or for him to go full star screen. Because I agree, it would probably be very realistic to be conflicted, you know, a few steps back before he's like, hey, what's up, A-bomb that walks like a man? I'm I'm your sidekick now. I'm, I'm A-bomb Jr. Oh, they're fat man and little boy, right? Okay. But it, it just... It would make sense yeah. to start having second thoughts and, and start to crack under the pressure of, well, being so cracked in the head. But it's just, it's not communicated to me in a way I understand. Or, because, like, maybe it's perfectly effective if you're, like, a Japanese 12-year-old, but it it was it was kind of opaque to me. Yeah, it's just, Utsumi was whole hog the second he jumped in with evil. Like, he was in it. And he was totally on board with, do whatever you want, I just want to do some crazy science. And he has no real reason to be second-guessing that at the moment. Like, Evolt's still like, hey man, I want to do some crazy science. But, like, Utsumi's actor can't quite seem to get there. And I feel like maybe he wants Utsumi to not be second-guessing, but the script keeps calling I, I for really him to second-guess for some look, reason. I'm not a professional actor. But if I was if I was even playing Utsumi in like D and D, I would want to be leaning into the into the the hey what's up? I'm just waiting for a chance to be the next supervillain. I want that. Yeah, just he needs to go full Magic Brian. Yes, yeah, he really does. Man, Magic Brian's good. So he's happy every time they brought him back. Those good good boys who are actually kind of awful because they're D and D protagonists. That's how it is. I, this is this is all in reference to the Adventure Zone, which is a podcast you can listen to, much like this one that you are listening to now. Anyway, um, moving away from from all that, let's let's talk about the stuff we liked in these episodes. Because look, I know we we opened up kind of kind of a little longer than we usually do, but there's a lot of problems. But I at least I can say for myself, I quite enjoyed these episodes. No, I also did. Um, like a lot of stuff's really interesting. Uh, especially that bit about why the best matches are what they are. Oh, I did love that. It's also really sweet, because it's just like, oh, he, he thought of all these things his daughter loves. And then, you know, he's like, oh, well, what can destroy? And he started thinking about bad things, and he's like, oh, no, wait, I don't want to actually think of anything that would, would for reals hurt them. Here's an eraser! And a parka! And a comic book. Um, I'm not sure if Isurugi started responding directly one-to-one, because a tank feels a little overboard for, hey, what can destroy a rabbit? 
on the other hand, if he's if the the Isurugi that we saw at the start is informed at all by the real one, eh, I don't know. It seems like he he would be the sort to go just whole hog because he's like, I don't know, tank, sure, it's the biggest thing and destroy lots of things. What I can't say tank a second time. Oh well, now this is gonna get harder. Yeah, because I was, look, I would be real. My answer was just gonna be. I don't know, a tank or something. Because, you know what's good at blowing stuff up? Tanks. A tank. Um, it does <laughs> It does actually really make me like Ninja Comic as a best match now. Because uh, that you feels tell. really clever. Because, you know, historical ninja are nothing like the ones most common in media. But the, mm. the media type is really the one that most people know, but is actually a lot closer to, like, traditional... Japanese theater stagehands. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, for those familiar with Shinkenger, uh, yeah. Kuroko? Is that what? That is. Okay. I know, I knew it was Kuro because that's black. I just couldn't remember the rest of the word. Uh, I wasn't sure. I'm, if I'm was pretty correct. sure it's Kuroko anyway. Um, like those are traditional Japanese stagehands and they're kind of what the modern, like, Ninja face covered, all black, running in and out. That's kind of where that came from, and most people don't really know all that much about historical ninja at this point. I mean, commonly, unless you go in and deliberately study that kind of thing. But comics and other media destroyed the historical concept of a ninja, and I think that's really clever. It. It actually is. I not made that connection myself, and that is, I'm, I'm gonna tell my my partner about that one because that's good. Um, for my own part, I'm mostly just fascinated after that explanation by the pirate train combo, because like this dude is mad violent at this at this pirate. Because I mean, like, hey, what what could what could kill this? I don't know. What, this pirate. What could kill this? A train. Like what? I guess I guess once he's out of tanks and rockets and stuff but i don't know um so so either that or like maybe it was the part of the setup where he was trying to figure out how to swap things around so we we can have the thing that'll protect because i do i do love that after a while he's just like oh i need to protect my all these things my daughter cares about like isarugi is the real interesting dad that we could be talking about you know yeah Either that, or or he just started playing like free association games, because yeah, sure, ninja mm, train. Either that, or again, he's just he's just a big old Sentai fan. He's just you know just two favorite Sentai. Yeah, he just always wanted a Gokaiger Tokyo crossover, and look, that's fair. That yeah, that's the right thing to want. That is the correct thing. Um, now now related, I know I mentioned it during the nitpicks and problems bit, but I I do want to just go on record once more saying that I really do enjoy how Maikawa is playing Isarugi slash Evolt in, in like the face actor form. Cause even if the reasons for the change in his behavior are not good, uh, it's still a great performance and it's neat to see that Isarugi slash Evolt has been knocked off his game by a new experience of emotion. And again, like maybe maybe it's just a weird way of saying suddenly he has empathy or something, uh, a new understanding of human emotion. Because 
I feel like that would make a whole lot of sense with the whole thing where Build has started just slapping the Nebula gas out of people. If Nebula gas is all these proto-fascist emotions, then I guess the empathy, or rather the, the antidote would be empathy or, or compassion. You know, some of those more, quote, noble, end quote, emotions. Just, you know, get in there and and slap the compassion into him again, because first you gave him some, the, the ability to understand that other people are people, now you just need to make him nice about that fact. Just, whatever happens, it, it just didn't seem to take, so keep hitting him, because evil is not a good person. Like, I definitely agree that he's being played with this noticeable shift, even though, like, narratively it doesn't affect much, and Mayakawa's doing a great job with it, and has always done a great job with Isarugi. Um, it's just the thing I'm not getting in this equation is, how did he not have emotions before now? Because he, he wasn't just this wanton destroyer, or I mean, he was on other planets, but not this one. Even in the episodes, they're like, hey, he could have just obliterated us from the start. Even if he needed a while to get his powers back, like, he's got them. Why isn't he just doing it? Man, remember when Vernage was just, like, eyes and bayonetta swords inside of a a big old tornado, and that's how she just kicked evil off her planet? It was awesome. Yeah. But, like, even Vicass is like, why hasn't he just killed us all? Because he definitely is able to. And, like... Yeah. Evil claims to have been, like, faking and performing emotions until now, but he's definitely been enjoying what he's doing. Oh, 100%. And then, like, Sento punched him with emotions, I guess, and now he's just not having fun and is throwing a tantrum about it. Like, that's going from one emotion to another, not from no emotion to here's a lot of emotions. Like, it's it's not Naga to Dark Naga. Which is a shame, because, man... I, just, I still love just Nagi going through his, his high school goth phase. Nagi's a good He's boy. Good. I'm very proud yeah, of him. Yeah, he is. Um, it's just, you know, Evil was having a good time, and now he's in a bad mood and trying to pretend he's not in a bad mood. And I Would don't you... quite understand the explanation I'm being given for that. Yeah, no, because... Really, if you just say, oh yeah, I was in a bad mood, or rather, I was in a good mood before, now I'm not, and I don't care who knows it, like, it, I don't know, it'd work, because just the mechanisms they provide us don't, they don't make sense, really. It's just, it's just some hand-waving them, and that's fine, I just wish they would have got some higher quality hand-waving. Okay, and, and just sort of on to the next bit, I do want to throw out that while it feels a bit clunky, I do have to say that I enjoy the twist about how all the smashes we've seen Sento fight are all people who are in some way related to Sento or his dad somehow, or, you know, the other major players on the board. It's not great, and it still honestly relates back to all my issues with Katsuragi Shinobu uh, coming in and sort of warping the story around himself, which, I mean, you know, look, it, it could all work at the end. I'm not saying it won't, but it also, I don't care for it. But look, this bit where all the smashes are in some way connected to our hero, like, that's that's a sort of fun idea, even if it does kind of shrink the story's universe a little. But, you know, saying that, 
there's something to be said for shrinking the universe of a story, because if all the other characters are sort of like reflections of Sento's quest for identity, then the whole universe is basically inside his head anyway. But there again, as I say that, does make me wonder why he was fighting other smashes. Because he's not really that big of a superhero if he's fought, like, less than a dozen monsters. Which, look, that is slightly less than a dozen monsters more than I've ever fought. But, you know, my point stands. I guess if a lot of common Riders have been these kind of pivotal... Uh, pivot. Why is that a, such a difficult word? Such pivotal almost chosen one sorts of characters with the exception of Minami Kotaro who is absolutely a chosen one character just if you're going to do that having everything boiled down to this small group of people so this monster man can figure out a reason to delay blowing up the earth is I mean it's not great and adds a lot of nonsense that is just it's just fluff it doesn't need to be there even though Again, because this is in the positive part of the show, it's nonsense, but it's fun nonsense. It's good nonsense. I just, they could have made it not nonsense. I do still really love these bits of Sento and Katsuragi going back and forth and kind of, you know, one of the, Sento just sitting somewhere and having to figure something out. And then suddenly it's Katsuragi providing this information. Like, they continue to be really beautifully acted and filmed and edited. Yeah, it's true. I, I particularly appreciate how often the two of them have conversations, uh, and the camera is sort of situated far away from them, so they're standing across this, on either side of this big area, and they're just very tiny. It's it's sort of an inside-out version of the whole O's thing about AG's desire for world peace, or, or whatever that was, you know, when, when he had the whole earth sticking out of his brain. And instead, in a lot of these, we, we end up seeing the immensity of what Katsuragi Sento, or Katsuragi slash Sento, I don't really... He's two dudes, it's complicated. But like we, we see the immensity of what he's about, because a lot of times, especially when they go into the science void, it's just so big, we can't even see the shape of it. But still, this thing that they have done is massive, and they carry it around inside them always, and it's beautiful. I love it. Also, I know we mentioned this at the top of the show, but I do want to draw some back to, to some attention back to Sento's, like, whatever you destroy, I can rebuild, and the way yeah. that he just pushes evil back in this scene. And I just wish that he, I just really wish he didn't attribute it all to his father, because so much of what Build is, especially what Build is now, was made on his own, by him, be it as Katsuragi or as Sento, and his dad doesn't deserve the credit. Yeah, he really doesn't. Like, look, look, I, I can appreciate some loving attribution and all, but dude faked his own death. He faked a suicide, even. Even, even if we can understand the why of it, you know, for the good of the world, whatever, that's a breach of trust that is beyond pretty much everything and while he was pretending to be dead dude was also a complete deadbeat dad wasn't even doing like some guardian angel biz just sitting back and doing weird weird mad science while his kids started throwing up walls against the world because you know his dad killed himself and also katsuragi not coded as the most socially adept anyway you knew your kid was going quietly crazy and 
signing on with governments and starting secret cult organizations. Do, like, step in, bro. I don't care if you're faking your death. Find a find a way to step in that's not stepping in. Yeah, look, I mean, Tenkuji Ryu was actually dead for the same amount yeah. of time. And he did more for Takeru than Shinobu's done for, like, literally anyone. Yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Because, like, look, at least that dude offered up his soul to become a power-up. Shinobu walks in and, and starts talking about how all the power-ups were secretly his idea, actually. And Katsuragi, the younger, just doesn't actually do anything except copy his dad's work, which... Look, Sono, I don't know about you, I find that to be the most narratively satisfying thing that anything could ever be. Oh, yeah. Just, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, again... Like, look, there's a lot to be said for, hey, he had to find out how to do it somehow. And that, you know, reverse engineering is not, it's not nothing. It's so much, it takes so much of the oomph out. And look, I get that we're, we're you know, with all the, the, the great dad, whatever stuff, I get that we're setting Sento up for a fall next episode where Katsuragi and, you know, Katsuragi can, can, the younger, sorry, it's three dudes, basically, all with the same surname, and I, you know, I, I'm in the habit of referring them by the surname. My bad. Um, but just, like, yeah, Katsuragi can just pop in and say a thing about, like, yeah, you can't trust people, Sento. And then Sento would, of course, like, hey, yes, you, you should try to believe in them, and you should try to trust them, and, and if you can't, you know, bring them back from the dark side, blah 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 blue I mean, it's all, it's all very nice, but also Shinobu doesn't deserve praise. He is the instrument by which the coolest ideas in the show have often been just completely retconned away, and Sento doesn't deserve that. Much as I want the end of the show to be the restoration of this one nuclear family, this dude faked his death, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know what, like, we don't need to bring back the whole family. Just have Sento go home to his mom and be like, Hi mom, you have six kids now. What's up, I brought my family of choice. And, uh, Mom, I, ch I choose you to be my mom again. Why are you calling me that? Oh, right, yeah. Uh, also, I'm, I'm a genius and found a way to get my face back. Except, of course, clearly that doesn't happen, because I don't know if the movie they were showing ads for is canon. I kind of hope he just gets his old face back, because I really like that actor. Like, I just, I just want this kid to be happy, and yeah. for his mom to also be happy. Yeah, and maybe for his dad to just... I don't know, get shot to the sun. Yeah, just just to not be here. I mean, I realize, like, I'm probably being unfair, I'm not taking this on its own terms, but also, y'all opened by just saying the devil scientist made this, and now it it was all done by the devil's scientist's father's brother's cousin's ex-roommate from college. What does that make us? Absolutely. Just, it's not, it's nowhere near as interesting to me. So going into 42, though, yeah, um, yeah, thank you. I do love the cold open joke of Sawa charging Kazumi a million dollars to help with his fashion sense. Which, honestly, his fashion sense isn't that bad. No, it really isn't. But, like, I, I just wish there was more of Sawa acting like Misora's business manager because it's my favorite joke. It, look, it's real good. Oh, I'm sorry, you want to hang out with her? Pay. But I don't. I don't think you don't hang out with her. Pay me. Just, oh, and speaking of fashion, I do want to throw out how I enjoyed how Kazumi, and the rest of the cast, but mostly I noticed Kazumi, just, they've all seemed to swap 
into their summer looks. Because, yeah, those look comfy and probably a lot less sweat-making than uh, Kazumi's big old jacket, which I wanted. It looks really nice. Yeah. But, like, I don't know about you, like, I'm roasting over here. I'm really glad that they can have, like, short sleeves yeah, or no, no sleeves. I'm dying here. Um, I specifically noticed Misora and Sawa's outfits because they were adorable. And so just true. whoever was handling costuming for this episode pulled out some great looks for everyone. Look, the costuming department has been pretty, pretty choice on this, on this show. So Ryuga saying that Evil might be using Katsuragi Shinobu's face, and it's like, hey, hey, we should figure out if he's actually alive, because this is a thing Evil does. That's like the smartest thing Ryuga's ever said. It's true. Like, he was wrong, but it was still a really good thought that we, at that point, we all knew it was wrong, but, like, that's really logical. Yeah, it's a reasonable conclusion to come to. Like he's, and look, he's done it the dozen times. And look, like, even though he was wrong, he wasn't not right, if you know what I'm saying. Because, like, look, Evil might not be wearing Shinobu's face, but he's definitely instrumental in helping Shinobu use... He's, he's using Shinobu and his face to throw our hero off balance. It's true. So... You know, like, Ryuga was close. He was closer than anyone else. Well, actually, I think a lot of people were just basically Sento, um, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, well, Kazumi was the one who's right, cause he's like, hey, what if he's just hanging out with evil, being yeah. bad? What if your dad's a Nazi collaborator? Which, I, I, again, I love that that's the route they went. Like, again, he, he got dosed with nebula gas, maybe. So, you know, he has a reason, but also, you're not a completely different person. You're just the worst version of you. Which, you know, still means moral culpability. Sorry, I'm... So this, I'm a... this isn't a thing I would have noticed if I hadn't been listening to the episode with headphones on. But there's some really nice sound mixing when Sento and Gentoku transform together. Gentoku's belt sounds only come from the right side, especially in that bit where he's off-screen and starts up the belt, and Sento's only comes from the left. That's really, yeah, that's really clever. Honestly, like, I will say, even as I lament the length and frequency of, of the belt talk sometimes, the sound crew has been really good this year. It's just been, it's been a lovely uh, aural experience. So both Ryuga and Gentoku becoming kind of overwhelmed and their suits responding in different ways to that was really interesting. Like, seeing them lose control of themselves in different ways and Ryuga's suit kind of pushing him to do more punching and Gentoku's kind of shutting down. Like, that was really interesting. It's a lot of fun to watch, too. Those The suit actors in there are, like, they're doing the work. It's wonderful. So I'm not sure how I feel about Door World. I obviously don't feel too negatively about it because I put it down here. Because um, I, th I think I really like it conceptually. And the idea of Katsuragi existing as literally Sento's reflection in a mirror and doing kind of uh, the, the bookshelves but with doors. Like, that's really neat. 
Uh, it's just a weird thing to add at this moment in time when it's not how the two of them have talked at all up to this point. Yeah, it it was it was odd. Though I will say, like, I've sort of been wondering if it's not part of how they want to show Katsuragi's relative stability in Sento's head. Like, he doesn't want in on being Sento because, you know, feeling all those feelings hurts and sucks a whole bunch. And he'd rather just be dissociated from the whole, so he just keeps throwing up those walls and, in this case, doors and other stuff when he doesn't want to connect directly with himself. Because, like, look, after all, Santo still needs the memories, but a just the, you know, a just the facts, ma'am approach would be the way a control freak like Katsuragi would go for it, as much to avoid being seen as vulnerable as it is to avoid actually being vulnerable to himself because you know he's he's doesn't he trusts himself least of all yeah it's like it's got some really good thematic stuff going on but it was just nowhere near the visual level that the two of them have had when they've conversed up until that scene Mm, which made that scene kind of disappointing yeah i mean you ain't wrong and i will say though since since we're in the nice you know, say nice things section, um, it really is nice that we can point to what is actually a fairly pleasant bit of visual storytelling and be able to just shrug at it because they've been much better at conveying that same idea through different visuals. Like, it's it's nice that we can just say, oh, that was really weak. They did it much better last episode. It's, yeah. It's, it's nice that it's so good that the only thing we can really think to get annoyed with is, ah, oh, they must be having an off day. Um, so as much as Utsumi has kind of used up our goodwill toward him and Gentoku is our favorite boy now, um, it was a little cathartic getting to see Utsumi just kick Gentoku halfway across set. <laughs> I mean, look, you ain't wrong. Because uh, I, I don't really want it to be the case, because, yeah, like, Utsumi's a little slime ball and Gentoku is is Mr. Redemptive Boy that I I love. But all the same, even if Utsumi's probably more than paid it back, dude did shoot him in the chest and let him fall from a great height into Inoue River. Like, just some stuff I think you get to hold a grudge over. I just kind of wish he'd actively take a bit of vengeance for it. Just be like, hey, this is for shooting me and leaving me for dead, and then kicks him across set. Yeah, I confess that would be really nice. Honestly, I... Just instead of, oh, you're sad your dad is dead, and then kicks him across set. Yeah, that was, that was actually really, like, that was, I know we're supposed to think he's scummy, but that is really scummy. Especially since, like, I do feel like we have to be leading up to something between them, because otherwise, I I have to say, like, Utsumi would be kind of wasted, because... I will say, just from a a storytelling dramatic level, just admitting to the realization that this guy he thought was his friend set him up to take the fall and then literally, like, made him take a fall because, again, dropped him into Inoue River from a great height, and that fall broke his heart and made him feel like he couldn't trust anyone or be kind, and he's mad about all that. And, like, if he just say that and then straight up ride or kick Gentoku, like, I think that would be a lot more healthy, I guess healthy, but that's, it's a lot more healthy, which makes it a relative measure. 
because I mean, look, he's he's messed up, but he's not stupid. He's not out of his mind. He's he's clearly got his priorities messed, but he's not crazy. He's just hurting a lot. And I'm not saying we should forgive him, but just just okay. Back in in Q Ranger, there's that moment where where President Hot Wings' old buddy turns out turns out old buddy secretly hated him that whole time, which you know I get. Fair. We also hated him that whole time. Yeah, but there was there was this bit at the end where like Cuervo is like, "Fine, I'm about to die. I'm gonna just take a running stab at you, just so." Before I die, I can hurt you a little. And President Hot Wings, like, steps out of the way and, like, stabs Cuervo instead. And I'm like, you couldn't let him have this, could you? You're you're a golden demigod phoenix man with tons of special powers that you pull out of wherever. You, you couldn't just let the this dying, frail person stab you. Just get one good hit in go off to hell being able to think, well, at least I stabbed that guy. You know, I'm not saying Utsumi gets to kill Gentoku, but I do want Utsumi to have the moment where he goes into, where he, like, rider kicks Gentoku, and just Gentoku's like, I mean, this is fair. I'm not going to die, you know, because he's not going to die because he got to go to prison. Because what's he about? He want to go to prison. But also just... Just give it to me that, you know? Give him that much. He's earned it. Also, because, you know, we also want to make sure Utsumi is alive so that Utsumi can also be tried at The Hague. Provided he survives the trial, he's definitely going to get for treason. Boy, if Utsumi survives, this is not one of those, like, oh, for the sake of, of the unity of the nation, we're just going to pardon everyone. Like, nah, nah. That's Common Rider Mad Rogue, the purple and white one? Yeah, uh, kill him. <laughs> Just launch him into the sea. I don't get rid of him. Sorry. I, that, that went on a little longer than I said. Okay, so Gentoku's Kamen Riders Will Never Yield was so incredibly good. Yeah, it was. Like, I know we, we mention this pretty much every Uncommon now, but just his arc is so strong. This was his step into not just being a Kamen Rider by name. It means something, and now it mean, we know it means something to him. And he wants to live up to what that means. Yeah, it's it's real beautiful. And look, like, on top of it being a great moment on its face, it also just reminded me of this old issue of Marvel, well, it was an annual of Marvel 2-in-1, where uh, the Thing from the Fantastic Four is is challenged to fight by a cosmic boxer and just gets pummeled into the ground. But every time he gets he gets knocked down he gets back up again and and has this little speech about how he's just too too dumb to know when to quit they they did an adaptation of it also for dial m for monkey i thought so yeah yeah it's it's basically the same thing like i'd not read that comic and then i told my partner about that episode of dial m for monkey and she's like that sounds like this old issue of Marvel 2-in-1, Ayla. Which, I mean, I'm not surprised because I think a lot of those were uh, pulled out of Marvel stuff. I mean, they, like old the Justice Marvel Friends. Stuff. Yeah, the I Justice mean, like, friends, it's, like, it's Captain America, Thor, and the Hulk. Yeah, which, like, look, it's one of my favorite parodies of them, though. In that episode, there's a bit where, where I want to say his name is Major Glory, the, the Captain America. Yeah, just 
gets up. Do you think you can stand against the speed of America? The strength of America? The constitution of America? And it's like, that is, that is like a three-level pun. That's amazing. Okay, it's honestly only a, it's, it's only just a normal pun, but it, it's also a D&D callback. Like, admittingly, you know, it's, it's not actually because D&D has strength decks. And I wish you would have said the dexterity of America, because then you would know. There are a lot of, like, Marvel parodies in that. Like, Scarlet Witch is there. Yeah. Black Panther is there. Like, there's a lot, I get a lot more of them now as an adult, and now that, you know, I'm more well-versed in Marvel than I was watching Dexter's Lab and Powerpuff Girls and all that. Yeah, back in the day. But if any of y'all haven't seen the Justice Friends parody from back then, because I, I don't know how old anyone is, and I was young when I was watching them, so they may be slightly before some people's time uh maybe gonna, maybe not i don't know i'm gonna try and put something in the show notes if i can if i can find clips at but least they just, they're least they're all clips. so funny yeah it's it's really good stuff um if if you like mcu thor their thor is basically him it's this yeah it's it's essentially the exact same character yeah just with with a little more uh Admittedly, it's it's kind of a, a time sensitive joke, but a little more like '90s era LA rocker boy. Yeah. Which, like, look, let's be real. Is also the joke. Yeah, Thor could really like it's it's not a it's it's barely even a hop or a skip or a jump. It just if Chris Hemsworth had been in a different mood that that first day, well, and if they had understood that Thor works best as a comedy hero. <laughs> Which you know they got opinions. they got there eventually. Yeah, look, look, yeah, no shade. Just anyway, um, I just I like I like that bit where where Gentoku feels like he's he's always two really powerful fights from like the the country just sort of like appearing out of nowhere and just rogue, 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 and then he just keeps getting up and while evil's all like, how are you standing? I've crushed you. I have destroyed you. You could never crush my common writer spirits. That was that was an extra level pun. Anyway, just like I'm a sucker for that. It just the the good guy just will not stay down. What's not to like, you know? He's doing his best and I'm real he proud really of him. Is. Yeah. And okay. My my last point anyway. I'm not made of stone. Okay? For all I I have my beef about Shinobu, and I, I'm not happy about his place in the narrative because it's all been just kind of frustrating for me. I'm at least happy that at the end of 42, he gets that bit of dramatic flair and knows how to make a half-decent entrance. Like, just popping in, wearing build classic, wrecking everybody, and then just dropping the the transformation just to reveal himself in that snazzy suit. Like, respect for the for the moment and and the the directing and the the way they set it up not necessarily for the character but still like what was there was really fun like look i like i said at the top if this archetype hadn't been done to death nearly every year for the past almost decade i'd probably be real into it because that little smirk he has yes dang good 
Uh, so, are there any other any other stuff for the the show proper? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, well then, uh, in in a a weird bit of uh, just a thing we don't do very often, I just had an added thing because okay, I found out this this thing that's going on in Japanese politics even more than the more generalized. Uh, you know, the creeping rise of fascism that is afflicting so many other countries. But I found out about some stuff going on that makes some of the stuff in Build feel even more nakedly political, uh, specifically in this case, the Namba children subplot. Okay, so what's going on is that current Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe and his wife uh, Akia Abe have been under investigation because they've been because they sold some land unlawfully cheap to a private school company whose chief operator just so happens to be a very good friend of of the Abe's and also a, a big supporter of them. Also, this private school company has been facing a lot of criticism in the past and one assumes into the present day because its curriculum has been described as, quote, pre-war nationalism, end quote, which, I mean, that's that's an unsettling thing to hear about coming, you know, in reference to a group of purported educators, because you don't want nationalists of any stripe uh, teaching elementary school children how to think. That's that's bad, actually. Now, now look, this has all been going on for multiple years. But I did pop back into the news. It, it did pop into the back into the news in March because of some new rumblings in the case. And like, look, am I saying that Namba and the Namba children, with all the evocation of they do of that more nostalgic nationalistic time, is a direct comment on that? And that Mudo Shogo is absolutely and with with intention making these direct connections and basically saying that the guy running the school is a wannabe fascist and that anyone who would help him is at best a collaborator? No, I'm not saying that that's what he thinks. Again, I don't know his heart. But it uh, sure is an interesting something, no mistake. Yeah, that sure is a big old thing. Like, again, yeah. I, don't, I don't know Mudo, I don't know his leanings, I don't know his thoughts, but when you brought this up, I went and read up on the situations with Prime Minister Abe, and with how much of a role the three Prime Ministers in Build have played towards, especially, you know, two of them, toward mm. tearing this fictional version of Japan apart, dang, if it all doesn't feel a little bit like something he wants to talk about. Because uh, Himuro Taizen kind of feels like the idealistic potential good that the office of prime minister and the government in general has. Mm. And, you know, the government wants to help. It wants to take care of people. It wants to make sure everyone's okay. Um, while Mito and Tajimi represent a couple of the very specific scandals going on with the actual prime minister of Japan. And, I mean, like, when you see pictures of uh, the Abe's, like, I'm not saying central casting 
was sort of like, okay, this, but legally distinct, but... <laughs> and, I mean, with Mrs. Abe being so heavily involved in the school scandal, and it doesn't surprise me that Tajimi is the one that relates so closely with how, you know, she claimed she was working towards helping Hokuto's citizens recover and was worried in, like, the economic growth of her region, but kind of let it rot while she pursued her own gains. And, you know, these kids are being taught in this lady's house because she's so just dedicated to teaching, like, and teaching them right, where, you know, did they have an actual school? What was their school teaching them and you know and then there's there's Mito's tendency towards war and how closely he collaborated with Nanba and you know the acts being done with his face even after he's dead aligning with another scandal that I read about about some falsified records of the special defense force and whether or not they had been in the Middle East when they shouldn't have. Oh dear. Um, and I'm not saying this is all definitely what Mudo is trying to say. Again, I don't, I've never spoken to the man, we've never met, I don't know what's going on in his head, but the pieces kind of fit together a little too nicely. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's actually, I, I, I sorry, I'm just still kind of blown away by that last bit, but yeah, it's all a little... It, it'd be a very interesting coincidence if it was a coincidence. Yeah. Because, <laughs> wow, the the amount of not hiding his criticism of the government that this implies, like, that's, that is ballsy as hell, dude. <laughs> like, I don't like to use ballsy as just, as, as the adjective, it's just I can't think of a better one. That is as brave as anything, bold as brass. Like that is bold as a fashion icon slash disaster Gentoku's uh, outfits in like thirty. It was at thirty nine and forty. Just it's nice. It's nice to see him just going out and being very aggressively political. And um, yeah. So is there any any last minute things we can think of besides? Uh, not exactly confirmation, but of Mudo uh, Shogo. Not particularly. Um, nothing. Nothing directly show related. I do want to put out there because this is my platform and I'm going to use it. Um, I do have some common rider build acrylic charms oh. in my Etsy shop. They came out really, really cool. I'm I'm quite proud of them. Uh, it's as you should be. They're very nice. Sento, Ryuga, Sawa, and Misora with some full bottles, best matches, except for Ryuga. He's got Dragon and the Great Dragon full bottles. Uh, the full bottles have. The full bottles are also transparent. It's really cool. I'm very proud of them. They're $5 each. You can get the whole set of four. Uh, hit up my Etsy store. Uh, I'm Brand New Love Song on Etsy. You can buy them. It would help me out should. a lot. Uh, also, if they sell really well, I do want to do Kazumi and Gentoku and maybe uh, Isurugi and Utsumi. Uh, so they have been selling pretty well. They are. I did 
I have already made up the cost of having them made, but if... Oh, congratulations. If I get through through the set, I am given some consideration to a second wave of them. So, I don't know. Check them out. Buy them. Give so no money. I need money. Honest to God. It, it, would, it would support the show a lot. Uh, especially since I'm now going into some home renovations uh, to set up a, an office where I can do this even better. So buying these would go a long way to helping support my end of making this show happen. All right, then. Uh, so with that in mind, and uh, please check the show notes for links to Sono's Etsy store and some of the stuff we've discussed here previous um, for the Uncommon Caster Rex and the rest of the Tool Network.